Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me on this uh, special episode of Amateur Altours is other Mike, Mike Scott. Hey man, it's uh, it's been a little while, but uh, it's always I'm always glad to talk to you and have you on the show. How you been doing? Yeah, it's been entirely too long, man. Um, I'm, I'm excited to be here tonight because I, I feel like we, and I feel like we've been trying to do this one for a while and it just due to life and stuff, it just kept not happening. But so I'm glad we're finally, finally here to do it. I've been, I've been, you know, I've been as good as anybody can be in the times that we live in, right? I'm, uh, I'm still here. Uh, I'm healthy. Uh, that's about all I'm going to say, but I'm, I'm all right. What I am excited for is that I am right here right now talking to you, and that's that's about the best possible thing that could have happened today. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I've been missing you a lot. I've been missing all the podcast people, and and uh, I really appreciate you agreeing to coming on. And one, just talking to me. I love bullshitting with you. Like We were bullshitting a little bit before uh, we started rolling, but even um, helping me out this year with the with the with my goal of a, one new episode every week so we'll be recording this a little bit early but this will be dropping soon after this conversation but i really do appreciate you coming on and uh and talking with this and yeah this is a film that we've been kind of i think the last time we talked was around may of 2021 where we did our documentary series and i took a little bit of a hiatus and that's in that hiatus i missed the podcasting so much and i said you know what this is when i'm i'm gonna set this goal for the next year of doing it more often and i don't remember how it came up um but i mentioned the film oh born a champion i just watched this and i really liked it and you said forget what how the context you're like, oh yeah i really do and i really enjoyed that movie and i was like oh well mike uh, is you know, Atkins Undisputed, all these action podcasts that you've been on and, and all these films you talk about. I was like, oh, like, this is probably the film to be talking about with Mike. So, uh, yeah, Born a Champion, uh, the Sean Patrick Flannery written, I guess, pseudo-directed love letter to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So, Mike, I want to ask you how you heard about this film and what your, I guess, relationship is to Jiu-Jitsu, whether it's you've had like a distant fascination if you watch MMA if you tried it at one point and then didn't and then it just didn't work out so like what what how did you hear about this movie and what is your relationship if any to jujitsu sure so I heard about it um somebody that I I want to shout out uh my friend Alex Rayo he runs the Twitter account uh, One Perfect Headshot that's dedicated to he he is always his man that dude's finger is on the pulse of action movies and he's always posting uh, you know up and coming action movies or obscure action movies and and he had really and he's not a fanboy like he he's got no problem saying if a movie's not good so if he raves about a movie it's one that i pay attention to and he raved about this one so much that he actually dm'd me and was like hey you really need to check this movie out and uh and so of course i did and uh i am also a massive sean patrick flannery fan uh i'm an old much older than you mike as we know <laughs> uh 
uh, so I go all the way back to the young Indiana Jones Chronicles days. And I have been a massive Sean Patrick Flannery fan for years. I, I think he's got such a captivating, interesting screen presence. I know everybody loves him in Boondock Saints. I don't want to go on a tangent. I don't like that movie at all. That's not for me, but people that like it, more power to you. But I've seen him in so many other things that I really enjoy him in. And so the idea of him doing this Brazilian jiu-jitsu movie um, – was really intriguing to me and then when i before i watched it i did a little bit of research and i had known he was into martial arts but i didn't realize how much that he's you know a proper black belt in jiu-jitsu and had been doing it for years and has even sort of credited it with saving his life essentially um and so i immediately went on voodoo rented it watched it and was just blown away I have a long history with martial arts cinema. I have a history with practicing martial arts, but I don't really have much of a history specifically with jujitsu. Uh, and, and, and in particular MMA, I I've been much more, my martial arts experience has been much more of the sort of uh, the art, less the martial, you know, Tai Chi, <laughs> Wushu, stuff like that. Um, but I found unlike a lot of MMA movies, and there's certainly MMA movies that I love. Warrior is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I found that this one really does capture the spirit and the aesthetic of martial arts, not just MMA stuff. And I'm not denigrating MMA stuff, but there's so much more sort of philosophy and art going on in this movie than I was expecting. Um, and so, you know, it, but it was clear that for Flannery, who for people who don't know, he co-wrote the script and this was like one of his dream projects. Um, it was clear for him, this was a love letter to jujitsu. This was a, a, a him trying to much in the way that uh, Enter the Dragon and Way of the Dragon, especially Way of the Dragon for Bruce Lee, was Bruce Lee trying to say, this is my philosophy of Jeet Kune Do in cinematic form. This is very much Sean Patrick Flannery trying to say, this is my philosophy of jiu-jitsu in cinematic form. And I just... I mean, I don't want to spoil, you know, get too far ahead, but I just, my jaw hit the floor when this thing was over. I, I, I just, and so, yeah, I think, I can't remember if you reached out to me or I reached out to you, but it was like, dude, we got to talk about this movie. Yeah. And a piggyback. So like my history of jujitsu, uh, I, I had done an episode on this with um, Will Roosh from Cylinder Radio. And uh, he's been, he's, he, we did a special episode, uh, man, a few years ago at this point. Um, but he came on because he does, he also practices jujitsu uh, in his free time. We had a little bit of a conversation between two like practitioners in regards to this movie. And I heard about this movie through like the jujitsu gym because a lot of like this kind of, I guess, swept through because, you know, I think Nick Cage made a film not too long ago. I think it's called Jujitsu or something like that. And it's just like not jujitsu. And it's just like, we all, it's one of those that like we all laugh at. I'm sure you've seen it. It's a sci-fi action movie. I mean, there is no, there's not even any jujitsu in the movie. And I actually kind of like jujitsu, but it's, it's not, there's not even any like actual jujitsu, like none of the martial artists, you know, it's got Tony jaw in it. Who's a movie Thai guy. It's got um, Juju Chan who does wushu. Like there's no actual jujitsu practitioners in it. 
Yeah, and it's it's funny too because I always I always think of jujitsu like that that scene in the, uh, in the Matrix when they're download like data dumping and the Neo is like jujitsu. I'm going to learn jujitsu, and then there's no jujitsu in any of the Matrix movies. Which I mean that's fine. I just think it's it's funny that they stick with jujitsu as like the first uh, the dump of data into Neo. But um, and but that also goes into like the timeline of this film and and just how far jujitsu has progressed. But anyway my history i've been practicing jujitsu since october of 2019 and i'm still i'm i'm a fourth degree white belt but uh that's fine by me i love being a white belt it's so much fun to learn uh we roll with everyone at my gym i i am in a small like blue collar gym so i roll with the black belts i roll with the purple belts i roll with other white belts it's it's so much fun and and white belt is just a blank canvas for you to learn all these moves and figure out like where your style is going to go um i've competed once i was going to do another one uh it, this past january january 22 but covid started surging again being in the hospitals i started seeing that i just didn't feel comfortable being around all these unmasked people and i didn't know their vaccination status i didn't know anyone else because they weren't checking so kind of pulled out of that one i do want to compete again uh because competing is such a rush and like they and this film does a really good job um capturing that rush of competing at least i i never did like mma type fighting but just watching these guys spar in this movie they really get that energy correct so uh that's kind of where i came from looking at this film is not like a purist because i'm still relatively new to jujitsu but i really did appreciate the care and attention to detail that goes into um a film like this and it's also interesting because this film was written in a time when jujitsu wasn't popular and even like, so i i believe this takes place what in the mid to late 90s that's like the time frame of this film and, and it starts in 91 and ends in 2001 so yeah in your period so during that time in jujitsu um this would have totally been something completely new and you see that with like mma and uh and just different fighting in like ufc and it's funny, like listening to um, Sean Patrick Flannery talk in this film about like the moves that they do and watching people um, do their moves. And it comes and it, it all, and I, it hits me. It's coming from a place of someone that really, truly understands jujitsu, like him placing it in the in the early to mid to late 90s, to early 2000s was very deliberate because I think he knew that like a 50 year old guy would not be able to stand a chance in today's world in like a U against a UFC fighter. Just the training is different and the, the evolution of jujitsu has changed so drastically that like a 20, late 20s, early 30s year old who's been practicing for a while would absolutely destroy a 50 year old. But in the, in the uh, context of this film, uh, the jujitsu would work out more or less. I mean, there's a little bit of a suspension of disbelief but i think it works better in the context of the 90s and i think that comes from someone that's been practicing for so long understands the evolution of the martial art and the sport and he perfectly encapsulates us in the script and film yeah and, and and for me you know again being an old i mean i i'm old enough to remember when ufc actually started and when it started it was this idea of it was blood sport it was all these competing styles 
Uh, so you had Muay Thai guys and you had jujitsu guys. And, you know, the other thing to point out, my, my buddy Andrew practices Japanese jujitsu, which is very different from BJJ, which is what we're seeing here. Um, you know, and you had all these different styles and then the fucking Gracie's came in, yeah, ran the board and, and really revolutionized MMA to where it became less about these competing styles. Can a Brazilian jujitsu guy beat an MMA or beat a Muay Thai guy? Well, the answer is once they go to the ground, yes. Um, and, and so now you've got MMA truly is mixed martial arts. It's this hybrid fighting style that you see where everybody masters a little bit of everything. Um, and, and so obviously if you are a one note BJJ fighter, you are going to lose to the person that's mastered six or seven different, you know, I, I, the one martial art I studied the longest before I, I gave up because I didn't like getting hit in the face <laughs> was one called Beyonce, which was a hybrid of Eskrima, uh, Jeet Kune Do, a little bit of Jiu Jitsu and um, Kali. And, and, and so, you know, it was a lot of stick work. It was a lot of uh, stuff like that. And it was a lot of fun. Obviously somebody that's a pro at that, somebody that's a master at that, it's going to beat somebody who's just got one trick, but you're right. Setting it in the nineties when that proper sort of MMA, that mixed martial arts thing hadn't really kicked in yet was very smart. And on top of that, you know, he doesn't really fight. I mean, the other fighters that he's fighting are also pretty consistently one style uh, mm. as well. Um, and, and, and it should be noted, there's not a, actually a ton of fights in this movie. I mean, it, it's, it's not really about that. This isn't, I would, I, I certainly wouldn't call this an action movie. I would call it like a sports drama Mm -hmm. more than I would call it an action movie uh, because he's, he's not just, you know, wasting guys throughout the whole movie. Um, and in fact, uh, does in fact, as we'll get to uh, get his ass beat pretty hard in, in some stuff. So, yeah. And I do want to say about Sean Patrick Flannery. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You mentioned Boondock Saints. That's kind of my big introduction to him because, you know, that was, <laughs> that 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 was you know when you're that young like we talked we had that whole retrospective on Tarantino a few years ago and we talked about how Tarantino's like baby's first director and when you see a Tarantino film at such a young age you want to just kind of consume anything like that that's why there's so many copycat wannabe directors like that and you know Boondock Saints is definitely a rip on Tarantino and trying to be Tarantino and whatever you think of it um, I loved at least our three main leads in that movie, including uh, Sean Patrick Flannery. Um, they do bring so much energy to that, that role and that film. And they, they, they do literally anything they can with like so little and just the whole production behind that movie is definitely an, an episode in itself. But that was my introduction. Sean Patrick Flannery was playing one of the Irish twins in, um, in Boondock Saints. And I've seen him here and there, like almost like, Surprisingly, I remember seeing him in Dexter, the or the eighth season, not the final season as of this recording. Uh, he popped up in Saw 8 or the, the final, or Saw 7, popped up in one of the most recent, one of the end, uh, later chapters. And uh, I've seen a few Indiana Jones ones, uh, like the episodes, but not super familiar with the early work. But, um, I, I, but when I heard like, oh, Sean Patrick Flannery, and I also... 
sort of knew he was into martial arts, but I wasn't sure if it was how celebrities are like, oh, I am a black belt and this and I do this. But then like, it's just for show, you know, it's it's the Hollywood style. But no, I he posts some stuff on YouTube from his academy and he knows his stuff. And I'm and I, and watching this, watching him move because he does all of his uh, I'm pretty sure he does all of his stunts. He does all of the uh, the the sparring and the and the drilling in this movie and you could and it just also adds that much more authenticity when he's doing it all everybody in this movie did their own stunts he cast fighters um he did all of his own stunts there's no stunt doubles um you know and and uh he didn't actually i was reading on imdb so take it for what it's worth but he didn't actually even train for this in terms of anything special because he's already so consistently training that he was already just in the shape that he needed to be to make you know a lot of times in with action movies or martial arts movies actors will go off for three months and do all this training and stuff and he basically was just like no i'm already where i need to be i'm good um you know and it works because he is playing an older you know he's playing about 10 years younger than he actually is in real life in the movie but he's you know it would have been ridiculous if he'd been completely perfectly cut. You know, there, there is, I mean, he's, don't get me wrong. He's in peak physical condition, but there are, as an old, I can tell you, regardless of what condition you're in, there are some things you just can't hide. You can't hide sagging skin. You can't hide uh, areas where, you know, unless you're using steroids or doing ridiculous Jim Jones type cuts and stuff like that. He looks authentic, and that's basically what he looks like. So he was just ready to go. And I don't remember which character it was, but I even read that, like, there was some fighter in the movie that gets cast because he walked into the gym and asked about, you know, was, like, doing, like, a workout day at the gym, and Flannery was like, hey, you know what? Come be in this movie. Like, (laughs) you look good enough, just come be in this movie. And, uh, you know, so I think that's also something that really adds to the authenticity. There's nothing about this. You mentioned suspension of disbelief, and there's plenty of that in this. But there's nothing about, I think, not being an MMA expert, about the fights that doesn't feel completely authentic. It might not necessarily be realistic, but it's authentic. And that is really hard to nail. Yeah, and this film... There's so much heart behind it, which is what I think is lacking in a lot of films like about a specific sport, especially now. I feel like people make it because they are trying to capture some sort of energy and vibe, but he is able, because I think uh, Flannery uh, is able to put so much heart and soul into this. And it's also, I think there's a lot of his real life inspirations are put into this, which is definitely appreciated. And I love, you know, how he says jujitsu has saved his life. Um, I'm not sure in the context of real life how it has, but you know, jujitsu does that. It brings people like very. You see a lot of damaged people co- go into jujitsu because they. I feel like on the surface level, when you first start, you're like, okay, well, it's gonna be it's violence, it's MMA, like you're gonna be choking out dudes. But as you start to progress and you start uh learning more and more about the art and especially if you stick with it because there's such a high dropout rate in jujitsu that you start to realize that it's so much more spiritual and that you have to you know be very strategic i describe it as playing chess 
with your body. Some people call it involuntary yoga. I think it's a mix in between, mix between both. But I've been finding that's that's what draws me to jujitsu ever since like, I was a collegiate swimmer, D three, and that at that point was the hardest thing in my life until I started doing jujitsu because it's more primal. It's more. I mean. I can't think of anything more primal than thinking you're going to drown, but in swimming, you can stop and you can come up and you can take that breath and you can just continue to stop. But in jujitsu, I mean, you could tap and it it stops, but I tell myself, and I think most people are like this, I'm not going to tap unless you got me. So there's times when there's, you know, a 300 pound dude sitting on my diaphragm and I can't breathe and their gi is in my face. I have literally beads of sweat, chest hair in my face and I can't breathe. And, and my brain is saying, you are going to die. Like you have to get out of this. And there is a simple solution tapping, but I'm like, you, they don't have me. I'm not dying. I'm not dead yet. So just keep fighting. And I think that he is able to capture that so well in this and and get that spiritual aspect of uh, that meditative process that is jujitsu like that. um, It's I say meditative. And when you're doing it, it doesn't look very meditative, but it is when you get into that Zen and that flow of the spar, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very bizarre feeling of just like you're finding meditation in what is what is violence by definition but it's something more than that and and i do really appreciate how he captures that i don't know how it's like lightning in a bottle but he gets it right in this movie yeah you know the, the closest i can i can say to that is when i was doing Beyonce and, and it, when we were working on kali drills so for those who don't know kali is filipino stick fighting and you have all these forms that you go through and you know you bang the sticks together and when the two people doing it are, are really in this rhythm, uh, the sticks will actually start smoking. Like it'll start oh, wow. like a campfire in the gym. And it's one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had in my life. When you're like doing this and, and you're, you know, I'm fat white guy from Utah. I got no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. And even I was still able to start getting it going. And you're, and you're, you're hearing this clank and you're doing all these forms and you're chambering and doing all this stuff. And you're hearing, you're smelling the smoke that smells like a campfire. And you really do kind of, yeah, like Zen meditative state is sort of the best way to describe it. You are going into this sort of everything kind of, you get like a little bit of a tunnel vision and, um, and yeah, he does, he does really capture that. The other thing I really love that he captures in this is one of the things, look, I love, old school martial arts movies give me a 20 minute fight and i'm happy but the reality is real fights in real life last 60 to 90 seconds tops and frankly less than that because i don't care how physically fit you are you can't go a hundred percent for much longer than that and i really like that he captures that that these fights don't actually last that long like people are you're watching these fights and they're giving everything. Uh, you know, I think in particular the scene where he, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, when he teaches Jimmy, the, uh, the, the Kung Fu instructor, he teaches Jimmy a lesson, mm-hmm. you know, and you can just see how quickly Jimmy's burned out in that fight uh, because that's what happens in real life. You know, your fights in, that was, I remember reading Bruce Lee. That was one of the reasons he developed Jeet Kune Do is he had a fight that lasted three minutes and he thought that was entirely too long, that, uh, that, that a fight needs to be done in a, in a minute or less. Um, 
And, and that, that's, I mean, yes, the last fight lasts longer because it has to, because of, you know, and we get some, as we'll get to some really kind of a little bit over the top Hollywood type stuff, but that's what you would expect in a movie like this, right? This isn't a documentary. It is a movie. It is trying to tell a narrative. It is trying to create emotion, but I still feel like so much of it is feels so real in terms of how it's done that it's, it's just not something you see very often. Yeah. And uh, I do want to get into a little bit of like the narrative of this. So, um, so the, so the whole, like we've mentioned earlier, the whole story takes place between like a 10 year gap of, of our man, Mickey, Mickey Kelly, as he, we first start off with him going to Dubai to train um, or kind of instruct as like a seminar class. Um, and we get a lot of the, uh, the introduction to jujitsu and kind of the philosophy of jujitsu. And, and it's funny when uh, Mickey's on the plane talking to his future wife, when they're like, well, what's jujitsu? It's like, oh, well, it's a manipulation. It's when you two opponents are together and they're manipulating through joints, uh, chokes, and uh, an arm bar and like all this stuff. And I was like, do we really talk like that? I was like, oh my God, I really talk like that. Maybe not as like technical, but I was like, man, anyone in jujitsu must sound like a psychopath because when people say like, they're like, oh, what's your favorite move? I'm like, oh, I love, a, I love doing guillotines. I love shooting guillotines and loop chokes. And they're like, oh, what's that? And then I start describing what they are. And then I take a step back and I'm like, wow, I must sound like a psychopath. So I love the, the, uh, the dialogue that, that he's able to write. Um, and then going, and then after that, we get into uh, him, you know, falling in love with his wife. I, I'm like fast forwarding the movie. This is like the cliff notes of the cliff notes of the movie. Uh, them falling in love, having that, uh, building a family and then him trying to balance the jujitsu with his personal life him getting hurt because of his passion trying to step away but he can't step away he can't get away from his from the life of uh jujitsu whether it be training or actually fighting and then uh he, he does get he gets hurt because he's trying to what he says is a selfless act a sacrifice trying to win big in this big uh mma ufc tournament gets uh knocked the fuck out because a guy cheat because the other fighter cheats and cheap shots him and then uh you know a few years go down wife axes that's that's one of my big critiques of the movie how it's like oh okay wife is gone has his final redemption moment uh with this fighter uh for round two so to say and and like kind of like a back back alley uh <laughs> or not back alley but like a off the record type fight and uh finally get that redemption which is also driven by the love of jujitsu but also the the passion that he has for his wife and uh mickey goes blind to the end but he continues his uh his jujitsu career with his son so that's a qu quick quick or the the cliff notes of the cliff notes version of the movie um but yeah, I really do love the heart and soul that goes in the movie. Um, I will say the the romantic plot of the movie, I don't know. It just feels a little cheesy to me. I don't know what your take of, of the love interest and the whole wife character. It almost seems like too perfect of a relationship, especially when it's uh, like the wife is so understanding. Like there's those segments where they fight. And they go um, meet up with his friend who don't they call him Taco, right? Or something like that, which felt which is definitely an interesting uh, character thing that we go into. Like, oh, they just called me Taco. Um, 
but they always go to his house and they all meet up and they make up in like an hour or so I was I, yeah so the the love interest definitely the writing of that felt a little cheesy and a little cliche to me and I know midway through the movie I was like man I really hope they don't kill off this wife character and they axed her which I felt like it was a little bit of a cheap blow if I have to have a critique of this movie uh Mike what your your, your opinion of the uh, love story of this aspect of this movie so yeah so okay so uh hi um, first of all, I really like Katrina Bowden, who's the, the actress that plays his wife. She's in one of my favorite horror comedies, Tucker and Dale versus evil. She's delightful. I think the romance actually works because I think they're both so good that they sell it at the script level. It's very cheesy. Mm-hmm. It's almost out of a Hallmark movie, but I think they're both so good. They sell it. And, uh, and his friend, uh, Maurice, uh, Comte, who plays taco, uh, is also so great as sort of this person, the go-between between the two of them. I think it's really sweet. I I have a couple of complaints about this movie. I actually just thought of another one as we were talking, but the biggest complaint I have was it's not really fridging because they're not killing her solely for the purpose of motivating change within him, but I still thought it was... It was bad form. It's the thing in this movie that really rings false. For a movie that's so authentic about a lot of stuff, it's the one thing that is really the most like manipulative Hollywood bullshit is killing her off. Um, I don't like it. I wish they hadn't done it. Everybody that I've recommended this movie to, I do give it the qualifier of they're going to do some bullshit with his wife. Uh, I promise the movie will pick back up and you'll get it, but um, it's it's a terrible decision. I think it's the movie would have been so much better had I, I mean I try and judge the movie I get, not the one I want. Mm-hmm. It's just such a the dead wife is just such a cliche that I'm so fucking over in the year of 2022 mm-hmm. that uh, that like. Why not have her be there with him and be supportive? Because, you know, again, not jumping ahead, but like the one thing that you did kind of leave out is you said he got injured. But the important thing is he gets a, essentially a detached retina. And if he fights again, he's going to go blind. And and you could have had a, a seriously cathartic situation where when he goes blind, she still stands by him uh, to, you know, to win this fight. Um it, it it doesn't I don't know it, it it's the one part well one of a couple of other parts of the script that just really ring false to me that I didn't like um I don't, I don't want to dwell on it much more than that because again I love this movie but people listening should be aware that clunks that's just a, a big old clunk about two-thirds of the way into the movie that you're just like ah really guys come on yeah, and I get it. It's 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 supposed to be like you know the standard arc writing of a script of like he loses pretty much everything at this point. You know he's going to be losing his vision. He's already suffering the consequences of that injury. His wife is gone. Uh, he has to provide for his son, and he doesn't have a whole lot to provide, although he wants to. And this is kind of that that motivator. Did think it was a little bit of a, a cheese fest when he is like literally going blind in the final fight, and they're they're using her name to guide him like left and right. And I was like, there is no 
fucking way that that like, I'm not, again i'm not trying to say it's realistic but it was even that like i'm suspending disbelief a little bit even then i was like there's no way that you saying her name is like, oh go right go left i'm like this dude is going to destroy him and that's where i think the jujitsu part where it's like i would have just sat on the ground and been like come to me like i'm pulling guard right now um but yeah the and and sorry uh, uh, really quick to interrupt yeah but that which is the one thing that is kind of cool because that is sort of what he does because he finally gets a hold of him because you know when he gets his second win he just basically stands there and says come on and uh and the guy goes the guy kicks him and he you know he locks it grabs him, him yeah. yeah and and i love that final moment they set it up throughout the movie like uh you know what happens if you can't breathe oh you tap oh oh don't do this move unless you really don't like the guy because his hands get pinned and i love that moment when his his coach says oh he's going for his hands fuck this guy get him get him. i'm like i'm right there with him like my heart race my heart is racing i'm also saying like fuck this guy i think the, the guy's name is uh marco blaine played by uh edson barboza an actual mma fighter which was awesome that they were able to get this guy um but I'm right there with him. And I love the moments where he's like this. It's like <laughs> Sean Patrick Flannery's like Mickey has been such an honorable guy, except at this. Well, it's not, it's not even dishonorable. He's just like, fuck you. You've taken so much away from me and I'm taking all my frustrations out on you. You've been playing dirty. Well, you're going to go night night. And I, I and I love that, like street justice that we get in the movie where it's like the villain gets knocked unconscious with a with a great choke. And um but yeah, the, the fights of this movie are spectacular. But and I do want to say, going back to like the romance, you said it perfectly. On script, it's cheesy, but the two leads like play it off so well. They have great chemistry, excellent casting. Um, while it feels a little like it still feels a little like just how they talk and like, oh, I met this girl. I would love her to marry me. And she's like standing in the background of the or standing 20 feet away i'm like oh, okay it's a little hallmarky but it's still like you said very sweet it's a little too sweet for my taste but i'm still like smiling as it's happening and they all they play it off so well every like the main leads have well everyone really but our two leads have such chemistry that it feels cheap when she's axed in a car accident you know yeah, that's almost the problem. They they're they're too good. You like her too much that it really and it and it doesn't it doesn't hit hard. It doesn't feel heartbreaking. You you nailed it. It just feels cheap. It, and and I never like, you know, I remember we did that episode where we talked about like movies that we hated or ones that we thought and um, and one of the my most hated movie of all time was pay it forward and it's a very similar thing where what i hate about that movie is it doesn't feel authentic it just feels cheap um and uh you know it is a testament to this movie that it can recover from something that i hate so much and still you know be a movie that i'm here doing a podcast with you about how much i love um, because everything else about this movie works. Even the other couple of complaints I have, they're fine. They're not that big of a deal. But yeah, because that last fight is so... I always argue that, that fights in movies should tell a narrative. They, they need to have a story. And the story of that last fight 
there is more story and emotion and catharsis in that than like I just watched not to bitch on, you know, everybody's favorite whipping boy, the MCU, but I just watched the Eternals a couple, you know, last weekend. There is more emotion and heart and catharsis and narrative in that last fight in Born a Champion than there is in the entire two hour <laughs> minutes of the Eternals, you know, and and so the movie, it almost lost me, but it 100% got me back on its side. Yeah, yeah, same here. So what were your other, I guess, two um, complaints about the movie, that, uh, minor complaints as compared to axing the wife? One's real easy. Um, the very end when Taco, you know, is doing, because this is based around they're making a documentary and he's doing an interview and she asks, you know, why did nobody why does nobody know about this fight? And he, they do the cheap 9-11 thing. He says, well, the fight occurred on September 1st, 2001. Ten days later, nothing seemed to matter. I really don't like when any movie does that. And then the other one is, there's a point, so we should mention Dennis Quaid plays the manager of Marco Blaine, of the other fighter. And there's this whole conversation they have before the last fight where Quaid talks about how uh, Mickey saved his son's body in Iraq that has got no lead up it hasn't been peppered throughout the story at all it's literally I can literally see you know as somebody who knows the behind the scenes of this stuff I can literally see it was we have a chance to get Dennis Quaid, but he wants a monologue of some sort so that we can justify him. And Dennis Quaid is going to bring us another $1.5 million on our budget. So we need to write this scene so that Dennis Quaid has something to do. And it it's a moving scene because Dennis Quaid and Sean Patrick Flannery are terrific actors. And so they sell it. But it comes so much out of the blue. Yeah. Uh, that I was just like, what is, what is this even doing here? But I don't mind it as much because the scene's so well done and so well performed that I just kind of go with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it does. I remember it does come out of like almost left field. I mean, there's like peppered stuff of like, oh, I was in the military, you got the dog tags, but like, that's kind of it. Like, it's not so like, it's not like warrior, which I'm sure when Sean Patrick Planner was writing this, he's like, I don't want to do warrior. I don't want to do that. Um, and I think that's the right decision. Um even just like having the trope of like the 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 the, the wounded so soldier that like ran from uh or not, not just had something that they're hiding from their military career. Um, I'm glad we didn't really get that, but a little bit of build up of just like something, even just like something bad happened, and I just responded to it. Like I just was, this is what you had to do, what you had to do, and yeah, it did. I remember it did feel a little out of the blue. We we're like oh, he's also like an unspoken war hero that he saved this uh, fallen soldier's brother, which the character is so good that I'm not surprised that he did any of that. Like, it's the, it's not that that action didn't feel earned. It's just the moment was like, oh, okay, that came out of nowhere. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, you're right. The scene is so good and they have such good chemistry and they are phenomenal actors that they save it. Yeah, it's completely consistent with the character. Like, I don't have, I, I just think they should have, it, it strikes me as a last second, like, rewrite 
you know, the, just the way it's, it's jammed in there. Like that the original script, because there's, there's no way you write a script and have this big emotional scene in it that you haven't like foreshadowed throughout the rest of the movie, unless literally you get, Oh fuck, we can get Dennis Quaid in this movie. We have 48 hours to write a scene to give him something to do to justify Dennis Quaid being in this movie. And, uh, and, you know, and as a fan of low budget filmmaking and direct to video action, I am very, very cognizant of those realities. Um, you know, both my podcasts that I do, one, I have a low budget director. The other one, I have a low budget action star on. I've talked to both of them. I understand those realities. So I think that's why that doesn't bother me nearly as much as killing off Layla because killing off Layla, that was clearly in the original script. And that was a bad decision from minute one. I get, if you get to get Dennis Quaid in your movie, you got to write him some fucking things to do. And so you're going to just do it, whether it actually fits in the script or not. No problem with that. I think it's important to point out, but I, I ultimately, that's not even close to fatal for me. And yeah. And like we talked about, they sell it. So it's fine. It works. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I, trying to think of anything more because I remember watching this movie and that's like the thing that like we talk about the authenticity and just like the realness and the rawness of like the emotion and I just appreciate just just how it truly is a love letter to this art that that really speaks to him and, and really does touch and affect a lot of people um, and I and I think having that background practicing jujitsu and you know feeling bad when I don't practice and having like the the mental push that that the sport gives me I, I i overlook so much of that because it just feels like you you see mo people make movies about something that they're passionate about whether it's a lot you know you, the big sport i see is like football or something you know this like very aggressive sport that they talk about like the bonds of brotherhood and forged with like it through violence but that, that was something that it's like two things that i feel like like at sport wise that and i don't want to I don't want it to seem like I'm biased towards it because I've done them the longest, but growing up my whole life, I've done sports, many different sports. And the two that I always stuck with was swimming and now jujitsu. And when people say, you know, that, like, oh, my sport's the hardest, my sport's the hardest. Like that's obviously such a subjective uh, debate, but I have never felt, you know, the, the, the mental strain that these two sports have, uh, have put on me and they've made me who I am and shaped me who I am today because of like those moments where you can't breathe or those moments where you're like your body is like literally telling you you're going to die. And I've looked up if they've made like swimming movies. Nope. And if they have, they suck because how do you capture something like that? Like I think um, workaholics had a great episode about it when it's the flashback and they're all in college and I forget which character was a swimmer and they're like, Oh yeah, you and me, we're going to do the 500. And then they jump in and then they flip on the first 25 and they're like, is this, this is, this is the race. This is, this is boring as fuck. Like this sucks. And I get that, but it's, and, it, but it, it, the sport can be exciting, but if you don't, obviously you don't do it. It's not that exciting, but Flannery was able to write something and capture, like, obviously the sport, jujitsu is a little bit more exciting than swimming on like a surface level, but he's able to get that, that deeper connection that people have with the sport and why so many people try and practice it. Um, I think 
if anyone was interested in jujitsu, I would show them this movie and be like, this, I think, gets it. If you want to have an idea of what jujitsu is, watch this movie. Uh, it, and, you know, it covers like the surface level stuff of like the fighting and like the techniques and stuff. And, and, and Flanner even, I love it how it's like there's, there's technique stuff for everyone. There's stuff for the black belts and brown belts, the, higher, the, the more experienced practitioners, like with the fighting. But then there's like even the moments when, uh, you know, he's at like the America Kicks Academy and, uh, and he's sweeping the floor and the, the head instructor is like, you know, trash talking jujitsu. And he's like, no, you can actually do this. And he sits down with new students like, oh, here's how you do a rear naked choke. And so there's stuff for like the white belts, the beginners. So I would say... I guess as like more of a closing thought, like if anyone is interested in jujitsu, watch this movie. I also think that everyone should try jujitsu. Mike, I think you should try jujitsu. I think it'd be a great, I think it'd be a great meditative process for you. Most gyms, you walk in, they're going to go at your pace and no one's going to try and hurt you. Um, I think or at least if it's a if it's a gym worth their salt, they're not going to try and hurt you. They want you to learn. They want you to stay and learn how to defend yourself and just become part of like the community that is jujitsu of that gym, of everything. So I guess as my like closing thought, I would say watch this movie if you're even slightly remote, like interested in jujitsu, and then go try it. And I think as a love letter, this succeeds on like all accounts. I think this is like a phenomenal movie. And I, and I do recommend this to people if they want an idea of what jujitsu is like. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to agree with all of that, except for the part about me doing jujitsu. I'm, <laughs> and uh, no, no, that shit hurts. Um, but no, but um, I, I have to, and that's the thing to me, we've talked a little bit about the negatives and some of these rough spots, but that's the thing. The first time I watched it, this is the third time I've seen it now uh, when I rewatched it today. And that's the thing that always like gets me over those rough spots is I'm always going to be a fan of passion in filmmaking. Right. And there is so much passion in this movie and there is so much love on every inch of the screen in this movie um, that it, it's hard to just, not go get swept up with it and go along with it you you just you know it, this is one of those movies where look if i really put my mind to it i put my cynical hat on and i just decide i'm gonna wreck this movie i absolutely could but why why would i want to do that what kind of an asshole do you have to be to want to do that to a movie like this just shut up Close your eyes, or I guess don't close your eyes because it's, but just shut up, turn off your phone, and let this movie wash over you and take you along for its ride. And there is some bumps in it, but you're going to get over those. And I guarantee you, by the end of the movie, I mean, my God, the end of the movie, you know, we're going to spoil the shit out of the end if you haven't seen it, but. He's blind. He loses his sight in the last fight, and his kid comes in and he's like, got gloves on and he's like they fit and sean patrick flannery because an ongoing theme throughout the movie is sean patrick flannery always says we never start the fight but we finish it and he looks at this kid and he goes okay but remember we don't start it we just finish it and like if you're not like choked up and your heart's beating out of your chest like 
fix your heart, man. I mean, that's all I can You have say. a heart problem because your heart yeah. should be pumping fast and you should be yeah, in the moment. Because, because this is this is just such a wonderfully moving, emotional, romantic, in not just in the sense that their relationship, but in that traditional, like, art sense, right? Where it's wearing its emotions on its sleeve. This is a romantic movie. And, uh, and yeah, and obviously it's by somebody who knows and cares about jujitsu and wants to teach people about jujitsu and do so in a way that doesn't make it seem cheesy or ridiculous or, or I think overly macho or, you know, like this movie has no toxic masculinity in it whatsoever. Um, it's 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 a movie that's really for everybody. And other than some language, it's also surprisingly family friendly. I mean, it is R-rated. There's a lot of language in it. But, it, you know, if you're OK with your kids hearing swear words like my parents were, it's surprisingly family friendly. I mean, it's uh, it's just yeah, all around, man. It's a it's a good, good fucking movie. Yeah, that it is. Um, I guess we can end with uh, our recommendations of it. Um, it's been a little while. I know, So I've been doing it. I think out of 10, 10, uh, like one out of 10 uh, or one from 10. And since I have letterbox, I've been trying to incorporate that on there. So my rec, my, well, I obviously recommend the film to everyone. I also think everyone should do jujitsu. Um, but I would give this film an eight out of 10. And, but from my letterbox perspective where it's up to five stars, uh, it's on my letterbox. I've given it a four out of five stars. Uh, I think, I come to this movie every few months, or I'd say like once every six months or so, especially when I'm in like a jujitsu funk where I feel like I haven't made a lot of progress or I'm just like getting my ass kicked. I, I throw this on for a little bit of inspiration and I know it's all about the journey. It's all about, it's not like about the one session. It's not about the one spar. It's hell, it's not even about like the few spar, sparring sessions that didn't go your way. It's all about the journey. And uh, yeah, I highly recommend this movie. What about you, Mike? Yeah, so for me, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, I just pulled up my letterbox ranking. So for me, it's going to be a, but it, it's hard. This is going to be a very strong recommendation on this. For me, it's a seven out of 10 and a three and a half out of five, but it's a strong seven out of 10 and three and a half out of five. And the only reason it's not more is I, I still can't get over the, the killing of the, the Layla thing really that's that that it loses a half star for that if that didn't happen it's absolutely eight out of ten or four out of five that that's the one thing that docks it a half a star for me but even with that this this comes you know i try i i rate all my stuff on letterbox but like on my podcast i pretty much just do you know recommend or not recommend and sort of strong recommender, you know, and this is a strong recommend uh, shout out to our friend Jay uh, from film strip, Jay and Ron from film strip. This is absolutely a large popcorn. <laughs> um, I think everybody should check this movie out. Yeah, totally agree. And Mike, once again, thanks for coming on, having this conversation with me. Um, I always have a newfound sense of appreciation for movies after we have our conversation. Um, so you you mentioned you have a, a lot of podcasts. You've been on a lot of podcasts doing your own. So why don't you plug those now? I forgot to plug them at the beginning. So uh, we'll link them in the description here. But go and plug your shows, man. 
always better at the end anyway that way if people don't want to hear all the plugs they can just hit stop um you can follow me on twitter and letterboxd at hibachi justice you can follow uh my main podcast uh which is the it used to be adkins undisputed we have rebranded now it's now the action for everyone podcast uh adkins undisputed is a subset of that that is still continuing but every week uh, Skylines director Liam O'Donnell and film writer Vice Victus and I talk about the week in action, uh, trailers, new movies we've seen, stuff like that. So you can follow that on any podcast app of your choice. And you can follow us on Twitter at A4E. That's the letter A, the number four, the letter E podcast. Um, and uh, check it out. We have a lot of fun. And uh, you know, and I am uh, I am constantly guesting on other people's shows. I've been on the Schlock and Awe podcast, Film Strip, uh, Film Feast, Cobwebs. Just uh, follow me on Twitter, and I will plug everywhere that I am at, including this show when it comes out. I will make sure to plug this one as well. So, um, and as always, if you want to go back in the archives, I got to shout out my boy Dana Buckler. You can go find me uh, on old episodes of his show, doing something called the Twentieth Century Movie Club awesome yeah and uh yeah like mike thanks again for coming on uh anyone you can follow this show on twitter at autors pod and you can email us with any questions comments or concerns at the amateur autors podcast at gmail.com once again everyone thank you for listening and we will see you next time